Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Fullest Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Bostwick, and today's guest is Teresi and Matthew Engelhart, who I absolutely love and adore and have a history with. Um, Teresi actually officiated Eric and I's wedding, and Eric and I are huge fans and basically groupies of theirs and I'm so excited to have them both on. Uh, Matthew and Teresi have a unique approach to life and business. While many would say that they're busy, the Inglehearts prefer to refer to their lives as full. They're the co-founders of the plant-based West Coast restaurant Cafe Gratitude in Gracias Madre and they live and host guests on their 21-acre regenerative farm Vila Farm in Vacaville, California. Um, It's one of my favorite places to visit, and they also host a number of workshops together, and Eric and I have gone to all of them. So (laughs) I'm really excited to talk to them today and share more about their philosophy on life. Hi, you guys. Hi. Hi, how are you? And also, you forgot to say that Grace is here hosting with you. Yes, Grace. I'm wearing Grace right now, so you might um, hear her a little bit. <laughs> she's She's been part of the last few podcasts I've recorded. It's been fun. Yeah, so thanks so much, you guys, for making this happen. I know it's been, um, we've scheduled this a number of times. One, a few of them just kind of got ahead of ourselves, but then one of them was during the fires. I think it's been like a year of terraces and I have been trying to get on a podcast together. So I'm really excited to finally make it happen. That's that full life that you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, great. Um, well, it's great. It's great to finally have the time together. And yeah, thank you for inviting us. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many topics that I think we could cover, but this podcast in particular, I really wanted to talk about relationship and especially because you both inspire Eric and I so much. I just think it's um, the perfect topic with both of you here today. And I, a lot of people don't know this, but you have um, and host a workshop called Kindred Spirit. And I'd love to know how Kindred Spirits came to be and the topics you cover in the workshop. Well, you know, how Kindred Spirit came to be is, you know, one of the things that we experience is people suffer most usually around relationship and then also around money. And so, you know, we had, we initially had the Abounding River Game and the Abounding River Workbook where we also talk a lot about the relationship with money. And then Kindred Spirit was just kind of the natural next book, which was how do we bring the same tools that we utilize to now, you know, run a business? Also, how do you create those in a relationship format? So, you know, it's where people most suffer. It's where, you know, where we've most suffered. And so there is no There is no not relationship. We're all in relationship. Even someone who thinks that they're going to do something completely independently actually relies on other people. That It's just not possible to think that you don't rely on other people and thus relationship and how you communicate in relationship is of the most importance. So it was actually the, after the Abounding River, it was the next workshop and book that we wrote and workshop that we led. We're actually getting ready to lead it this next, this coming weekend on the farm. So it's perfect timing. You'll get us, you'll get us ready for it. Have you guys had kids at Kindred Spirits before? You mean children? Yeah. Like if a couple wanted to come. I think we've had some nursing babies, but not, I mean, we, we want. If there's young children, they'd probably have to have some kind of, on the farm, some kind of nanny or help, because you really want people to be able to invest the time in themselves. But of course, that's a possibility. Anything's possible, Nikki. Yeah. Um, Anyways, maybe Eric and I will have to do it again one of these days. It'll be fun. But I, when you were actually saying that, I was thinking when you were saying how even if someone thinks they're doing something independently, it still um, involves relationship. And the perfect example would be like all the supply chain issues happening right now. Yeah. You know, it's just whether it's in your personal life or in business or whatever, it's always going to require relationship building. I'm, I'm still kind of getting a hang of 
building a good relationship with my supplier. Sometimes it's really tough. But um, I know that you've both been in marriages that obviously haven't worked until this one. So will you tell us about your experience going into this relationship and marriage and why is this one so different than your last? Is it because you're with the right partner finally, or does it also have to do with the way that you committed to communicating with each other? I, I think it's more about our own development than the other. If you think it's the, the other, then I think you're always going to be um, hampered. I think that in, first of all, I don't really like to think that my first marriage didn't work. It just, it, it, it sobered me up. I learned a lot. We're still really good friends. Um, yeah, it just didn't last forever. It didn't last, you know, the, it didn't, I wasn't able to fulfill the commitment that I made. Yes. And that way it didn't succeed. But I think the context for any relationship, but certainly a marriage needs to be, uh, or it's a good idea if it's the same context. And if the context is to, incarnate divine love or be the biggest, fullest expression of divine love that one can be and using the mirror of, of your partner to really show you all your obstacles, to mirror back your obstacles, then I, I think that's the reason this marriage uh, is still working. And um, because, you know, we have a saying, they're upset is your me my meditation. So holding space and not having my wound get triggered when Teresi's, her wound is triggered. It's like, you, you, here's, the, here's the best way to say it. Marriage, life and marriage are a psychological gymnasium. And you get up every day to work out. In the marriage, you're working out all those little limitations, all that nasty little stuff inside us, all our little egos and our our uh, foibles, all that stuff gets exposed. And are we going to use this relationship to awaken or is it about uh, avoiding pain or about leaning into the discomfort? So I would say that's the difference. And then, Nikki, I, I would say there was a definitive uh, moment for me when things shifted. So I actually have a few relationships that didn't work out, but I also, all of those relationships, I was actually still an active addict dealing with an eating disorder. So this is my first relationship outside of addiction. So I think that had a big part in it. Also, there was this definitive moment when I saw that a relationship isn't, it's, it's similar to what Matthew said, but a little different. A relationship isn't about picking the right person as if that their people are a particular way, but it's more about how do you create that person. And the work is continuing to create that person in the best expression of themselves. So can you yeah. ongoingly create the other as the best version of themselves? Or do we get caught up in some story of who that person is? That's a lot of internal work. And Matthew was referencing the internal work as well. So it's, can we see the opportunity of our own personal development inside of the context called relationship where, you know, I think, I mean, in my generation, certainly people look to relationship for safety, security, comfort, love, romance. And we're actually talking about a very different context. So we, um, we say, if you want comfort, get a dog. And we just got a new puppy. And we just got a new puppy. <laughs> Hey everyone, I want to tell you about a new airline I recently came across called Aero. I was really intrigued because they're a semi-private airline company that flies to places my husband and I either love going to or have on our bucket list like Aspen, Jackson Hole, Sun Valley, and even places closer to home in Napa and Northern California. However, the fact that a lot of these destinations are in mountain ranges or national parks can sometimes make them difficult to get to and usually involves multiple flights, which makes me hesitant to book with two kids. 
Then I came across Arrow and realized this could be the solution I've been waiting for, especially during these unpredictable times with COVID. Like I mentioned, Arrow is a semi-private airline that also provides amazing services that honestly for me make it absolutely worth the investment. I love that they use cabin light therapy based on psychology. For example, their custom colored lighting system helps disassociate from motion sickness and their onboarding warm light and soft music helps calm your nervous system. I also love the fact that you can customize your meals and choose healthy options for you and the whole family. Plus, finally, our dog can come with us as they're pet friendly. Another feature I love about not flying with a major airline are their private terminals. Traveling with a toddler and a newborn already adds so much extra time and forethought getting to and from the airport and having this expedited check-in system and also just a little more privacy to get the kids ready for the flight is priceless. If you've got an upcoming trip to an outdoors location and are looking for an alternative to the major airlines, you should definitely check out Aero. And until December 31st, be sure to use code THEFULLEST when booking your next flight to get 10% off your trip, which is a big deal. So enjoy and hopefully you check them out. I love that perspective and I completely agree. And it's probably because I've taken your workshops, but really it's about, like you said, the mirror. It's really about personal development and growth. And I, you know, I completely agree where we make that person who they are or seeing them, seeing the beautiful aspects of them and continuing to create that. But I guess my question is now, would you say that I mean, okay, so, so many people have taken your workshops. I know that you've said that there are people that come to your workshops who are thinking or considering about getting a divorce or breaking up. And I'm curious what you say to those people. Is it, I'm sure a lot of times it can be just looking at the relationship differently and how you can work on yourself or what is this teaching you? But then at what point also is it really the time to move on as well. Well, we actually say that to those people, we actually say, give it six months, like say, okay, we're going to give it six months and we're going to be all in and we're going to play full out. And we share with them the tools that we share for communication and building win-win healthy relationships. And we say, utilize these tools, play full out six months at the end of six months If you still think you're better off splitting up, great, then make that choice at that time. And you've got to complete the commitment that you made and make a new commitment. You've got to always be living inside of a commitment. Otherwise, it gets really wishy-washy. So, you know, it's not like when people try to stay in a relationship with a back door, it never really works because they always have the back door option. That's why we say... You've got to live inside of a commitment, and that gives you the structure and the foundation to be able to work inside of on the relationship. But really, Nikki, the reason people leave relationship is they just quit being willing to do the work that the relationship's requiring. And, you know, you, we always say, make sure you leave it in great shape because you're just going to start the next relationship where this one ends and you'll have the same work to do. I mean, how many times do you know people who have gotten divorced and now they're still trying to struggle through the issues they didn't get cleaned up in the relationship, only they're dealing with it with kids and grandkids and graduate. I mean, I happen to know that you know that. So, In fact, the divorce rate for second marriages is quite a bit higher than first marriages. Wow. So, so I mean, it's not like sense. it's not like ending a relationship is a solution to anything. Ending a relationship is just like, okay, game off. And now you've got to do game on again somewhere because you can't live outside of relationship. And it doesn't matter. I mean, we're we're talking now mostly about committed relationships, but it it impacts every relationship. How you are in one relationship is how you are in every relationship, but mostly we don't think that or see that. So it's a lot of, it's a lot. I was telling Matthew as we were preparing for kindred spirit, you know, a lot of people don't choose this version or path of relationship. Like there's still a lot of people who just want comfort and security, or they just want companionship. And 
you know, I don't know. I don't know how those relationships work. Look at the statistics. Relationships don't have great statistics right now in our culture. But seeing it as it's an opportunity to work on yourself and the other person, you want them to actually trigger you or or um, aggravate your wounds or your passing completions because that's the opportunity to do the work to get that complete. But this goes back to why are we here in the beginning? Why are we all here? You know, What's the purpose of life. Yeah, we actually are. For me, okay, I come from a Christian viewpoint. My, it's like I'm here to to learn how to love more like Jesus. That's mine. But everyone has a different expression of that. But still, it's all the same. I'm learning. I'm here to learn how to be more loving, more, you know, kinder, more generous, more gracious. And so obviously the work is in all the areas where I don't want to be that way. (laughs) You know, so Nikki, consider that what we fall in love with initially is what drives us away and down five, six, seven years down the line. Okay. Yeah. Like, and think about the thing that annoys you about Eric. And it's probably the thing that you loved about him initially. Like, oh, totally. My I first, mean, he's like go ahead. the nicest, sweetest person. And I love that about him. And then when we did the Kindred Spirits workshop, it was so funny because one, that's what he gave up in the workshop. Like at the very end, he had this, like these pair of glasses. I'll never forget. And I, we didn't talk about what we were going to give up before the circle. And he was like, this is like, this represents me being the nice guy that everyone loves and all the stuff. And I'm like done with that. Yeah. Cause nice guy is a trap. And it, yeah, you totally. want you want him to have freedom to be a warrior sometimes. And it drives you crazy. He's nice to everyone. And yeah. Invites a couple homeless people home and whatever he does, you know? <laughs> yeah. So totally. in my first marriage, oh, I was so in love. She's so artistic. And after so, so many years, she's so narcissistic. It's all about her. Or in Molly's first marriage, her first marriage was like, he's so chill. I need chill in my life. And five years later, three years later, he's so lazy. Or I know someone else. Oh, he's so stoic. You wouldn't. He and then a few years later, he's so cheap. You know, so uh, nothing changed except our view. Okay, we stop be we stop being willing to hold space or generate a love view, a, a view of that person, and and then our ego gets in and starts doing trying to love so then it becomes ego observing ego and that's where it all falls apart so yeah it's really about the inner work that our really our kindred spirit or our marriage is about doing the inner work and being responsible for our experience not depending on the other to to make us anything because that's 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 never going to work okay when we were just talking about this, um, Teresa, you mentioned backdoor, like not having a backdoor. What do you mean by that? Well, it's like not being married. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, I just had a conversation the other day with someone who they're very committed. They want to have children. She has a child from a previous relationship. That dad has no custody. This man, you know, and I was like, why don't you guys want to get married? And you know, it's, it's more an inquiry than anything. Like there's something in there to look at and marriage could look anyway. You know, there's something when you have skin in the game, it's like, I was telling him, it's like playing poker for matchsticks or playing poker for money. It's a different game. So I just think, you know, having a back door is, well, I can always leave, you know? Yeah. I can always leave or, it's like you want to live like you can't, but always have the freedom too. You know, it's like you just well, there's it's, be it's a, a commitment. There's it, yeah, you have a declaration, but if you if you renege on that declaration, it's going to have a cost. Mm-hmm. And and that's just like if you lose at poker, there's a cost and and yeah. there's an edge. So, um, you know, and I think in this day and age, with you know, we we counsel and coach a lot of young people. And I think we're kind of in a culture where, you know, people want what they want when they want it. And we live with such instant gratification. Notice the supply chain is bringing up a lot of those issues for people. Like, what do you mean I can't get what I want in two days? You know? And so what are you talking about? 
but consider most of the world, that's not true. Most of the world doesn't have the access to the resources and the things that we do. But yet we're like dependent and attached to that. So I think we're having to deal with those attachments and then look at, okay, so now what's relationship going to be about? It's not, you have to, there's a grieving process. You have to let go of it. It's not the idealistic, romantic, live happily ever after. That's probably not that realistic of a vision, but what is going to be a rewarding, fulfilling, you know, uh, structure of relationship, but you got to co-create that with someone. You guys have to decide. You know, it's more of a, it's work, you know? I mean, I remember when one of our kids said to us, nobody told me it was going to be this much work, you know? But relationships, a lot of work. Two two things that this, your generation, Nikki, have very little mm, bandwidth bandwidth (laughs) is sacrifice and obedience. (laughs) Those words scare the crap out of, uh, my children's generation. Okay. But if you think about it, nothing can be accomplished without sacrifice and obedience. Like whether it's obedient to being obedient to a business or being sacri- making a sacrifice for children, or making a sacrifice for business or sacrificing the time to write a book or whatever it is. Like you don't think that all the greatest musicians in the world don't sacrifice a lot to get where they are. Of course they do. Like, or Olympic athletes or whatever it is like but we just you know we don't want to we don't want to go there or so marriage is the same way it takes sacrifice it takes some obedience it takes some discipline yeah so when it comes to uh, you know the new age holistic world i think right now and in general most people want to manifest the right ideal partner like you said terzine i think that's bankrupt <laughs> completely yeah. bankrupt. I mean, good, idea- good luck with that. You know, and no, yeah. I just want to have a business. I don't want, I just want, I just wish I had a business that gave me an income of about, you know, 15,000 a month. And, but you know, I don't want to really work for it. Like, come on. I mean, I think that, Nikki, that's I, trust fund thinking. I think Nikki, that yeah. that's partly that model that I think we have to grieve. Like that, you're finding. I mean, come on, we've lived with that for so long. You're finding the one, like there's the perfect person out there, and you're gonna whatever do a vision board or think about it or visualize it or awesome, great, do all that. And then when you find that person, you're still gonna have to go to work because. It's not out there. It's in here. It's like how how many of us were actually raised up inside of some paradigm for you have to cause or create relationship. It doesn't just happen. Yeah, I love that. And I think so when it comes to manifesting, like you're saying is manifest, if you're going to do the manifestation work or whatever, manifest someone you want to do the work with yeah, exactly. that you want to go Exactly. I mean, that's like on Kindred Spirit on the back of the book, it says, you know, on the first date, you know, are you willing to use this relationship to awaken together? Well, waking up can be painful. You know, it can also be amazing and joyful, but it's not going to be all the time. So we're having to kind of, I mean, we're in a particular time now where we're really having to let go of any illusions we've had about who we are and create ourselves newly. I mean, that's my big question. Are we going to come out of this whole thing kinder, more generous, more loving people? It's not looking that way, but I'm still holding out that we'll get We'll wake up to that, that it's who we're being, not what we have or what we do or who are we being. That's the work. And oftentimes work is done in some of the most difficult and challenging environments, you know, and just like Matthew was saying, I don't want to think about relationships like they failed, but 
failure is not bad. Fa- failure is a fertile ground for growth and, and development. It's like, well, what did you learn? What did you see? We just, we just hosted a big workshop on the farm and the person that was leading it was experiencing some failure. And I said, it's okay to fail if you learn something, right? It's like, that's a fertile ground for growth and possibility and opportunity. In fact, if everyone, all your listeners, all of us think about where we grew the most in our lives, it's through failure, not through success. Yeah. Yeah. The failure of my first, first marriage was so humbling. I was an error. I mean, maybe I'm still an arrogant ass, but I was a more arrogant ass when, (laughs) before I failed at that marriage and was on public display that the spiritual guy failed at his marriage and uh, like, yeah, very humbling. And, and from that place, I had a very dark, dark night of the soul experience where I, I actually experienced being with all the abandoned people on the planet and how that felt all the people in psych wards and homeless people. And, and just like I was there with them, like abandoned and, you know, being there and feeling that pain. And then also having this insight of like, I'm still okay. So I I don't know what it's going to take, but you know, life's about waking up and, and to die to our nastiness and our resistance and our selfishness take something and it's it's not always fun so really finding the right person now becomes find the person who wants to wake up with you in terms of waking up to this world yeah find the person who wants to do the work who wants to see the possibility that relationship is in healing and growth and development and yeah and with all that i i know you both really believe in when it comes to being all in and another thing that could be considered backdoor is a prenup, right? So I think we should talk about money. And I know people get uncomfortable and weird about it in relationship or in general. What do you, why do you think it's so important to be all in? Well, if your money, we say, if your money's not together, you're not together. How can you be together? My money's your money. Your money's my money. We're one. If your money's not together, then there's some, you still, you're not completely one. So what are you holding out? You don't trust each other. There's some distrust, or I don't feel like they're going to be there for me, or I'm going to like, something's up. You're not, you're not in a marriage, really in a full partnership. You're in a partnership, a condition. So that would be conditioned love, not unconditional love. And we're not saying it's good or it's bad or it's right or it's wrong. We're saying here's another opportunity to look at what's the holdback. What's the mistrust? What has you not be fully in? And again, it's just a fertile ground for insight and growth and development. And I mean, we worked with we worked with a couple who... Um, you know, the, the woman was sharing that she always felt like his parents didn't like her, or didn't trust her. There was a prenup in their marriage. And, you know, it had a negative impact on the relationship because she had a difficult time feeling like his parents even loved her or appreciated her. And so a lot of our coaching with her was have that conversation because Oftentimes, nobody even has that conversation. You find yourself in a lawyer's office and you're signing a piece of paper, and now you've both got lawyers to begin this relationship, but you've never had the conversation about all the stuff that comes up around that. And then you carry that into a relationship thinking that you set that relationship up to win, when in fact, that may not be the experience of the people at all. So, it's just a fertile place to continue to look at what's behind that. What are you afraid of? What do you mistrust? So, yeah, that's our coaching for people. I love it. And um, another topic that you guys share about that people listening um, might not know that you guys practice every day is clearing and you do this on the farm with other people that are there will you share a little bit about that and how it 
kind of goes into the way that you communicate with each other well, and reframe things? Yeah. So clearing is an exercise that does a couple of things. It trains us in listening. So if if we were in a live classroom with your audience, Nikki, and we said, how many of you know that if you were better listeners, you'd be better um, partners, partners, better uh, yeah, friends, better husbands, wives, pretty much everyone would raise their hand. So consider we're crappy listeners. So uh, listening is the highest, we say listening is the highest form of loving. Okay. Really just dropping in and getting in each other's worlds is such a loving act. So clearing trains one in loving, I mean, in listening as loving as listening. Um, It also trains people in recreating it, just saying back what the other person is saying. So someone says, I don't know, I feel like you're not listening to me. And you say, so what I hear you say is you feel like I'm not listening to you. And and that is today in the world of counseling or psychology or whatever, that's called mirroring. Yeah. You know, when we started doing this, I don't think that was a thing, a thing, but you know, it's called mirroring, which is just saying back what the other person said as verbatim as possible without adding or subtracting. So clearing helps train you in that. Yeah, training and like listening to the point where you can actually recreate what they say, right? And then just being with it. And then you might ask, and, and it also it gets them, if they're in their head, there's a, a, a step in clearing where you ask them, so when your attention's on that, how do you feel so you drop from your head to your heart because the feeling is quite important. You want people in, to can be in their heart space and, oh, yeah, what's going on is I feel like I don't matter and whatever. And so you recreate that. So what I, I hear you say is you feel like you don't matter. You just hold space for that. And so it trains both parties in just, this is probably the most important relationship tool, holding space, which means just sitting in a compassionate space without trying to do anything. Not fixing, not changing, not advising, not coaching, not defending, not arguing, like any of that. So it's just just being there with the other. It's so important. It's kind of like parenting in a way with toddlers or whatever, the way that, I don't know if you've heard of Rye parenting, Um, but you know, kids have their big emotions and in order to really sit and validate their emotions and not try and fix things, you just kind of sit and listen. Yeah. I, I love it so much. And I'm, I'm curious when your kids were younger, did you use this as a tool with them a lot when there was conflict and, um, no, how was that? I yelled at him and told him to get over it. (laughs) I know that you guys, I mean, you're in business, you have, you're in business with your children as well. And so I've heard stories about how, um, even with like board meetings and stuff like that, you, you're, I love, I just love you both so much, obviously. And the way that you approach everything in your life is just so beautiful to me. And, you know, I've heard stories that you guys have shared with us where there is conflict and you're just always all about getting in there and sharing and going all in and I'm and this is the way that you do it right well i think you know so let's just so so back up a little bit how we raised our children so remember i, I think there's hope in the message of you know i was a single mother of three children dealing with addiction and you know matthew coexisted with a brother who had married identical twins, lived in one house with one wallet, and then pursued business and was super busy. But, you know, there were a lot of other people to help him with his kids. So it's like, just because this is what we're practicing and teaching today doesn't necessarily mean we utilized it our whole lives. We learned from our lives to create this practice. Now, as a single mom, and I didn't have any money, 
my children kind of went everywhere I went. So my children think I raised them with something called attachment parenting because that's now a thing. But I didn't know anything about (laughs) attachment parenting. I just knew I didn't have anybody else to watch my kids and they needed to come along. And so, you know, my children were with me most of the time. So again, it's like you can take something from our past and apply it to a practice or a methodology today. And it seems like, wow, we did that. Wow, how how astute and savvy were we? But no, I think I lived more by survival. And I think, you know, Matthew kind of had this community behind him that helped a lot with his children. So he and Jean could do business. So it's just, I guess, but uh, let me interrupt really quick, which I'm so glad that you went that far back. I guess I, the kid, I mean, when I say kids, I guess they were teenagers by the time you got together, but weren't they younger? I mean, even like 12 years old. No, no our kids were was, in their, their 20s. Yeah, the, I think the youngest was like oh. 19 or tw- not, youngest was like, well, 18 or 19. Carrie was the youngest oh, right, and Carrie, was, oh, Carrie okay. was a teenager, but um, maybe 17, 18. He was still in high school. So 17 because we went to high school but, graduation. But, but to, to, to answer your question, yeah, we have business partners. We have and yeah, we have business partners and we in the same way that we use our marriage to mirror and and see where we're blocked yeah we we use that we use that same those same tools in in our business partnership so yeah i mean yes we've had board meetings where you know it could look more like a family blowout or like and you know we've done marriage counseling with our part with our partners and their their kids and yeah so yeah there's no separation because it's all relationship and it's all we're into we're intradependent on every on all we're all interdependent so that relationship is everything yeah and um so there's no not relationship so there's never like oh i'm on the relationship thing or i'm off the relationship thing no it's just i i'm i at three o'clock today, I'm going next door because I've got a na- next door neighbor that's really pissed with me. And I really just want to, I just really want to blast him for being a big baby and needs a bigger problem. But that's not going to, that I know that's not going to work. And I just want to be right and to like completely, t- you know, just blast him. But I'm not going to. I'm going to just own space. And listen and, listen, and recreate him and recreate make requests. Him, yeah. Make requests, apologize. Yeah. Make requests, apologize, and acknowledge. That's the game. You can get those three superpowers. Besides the listening, the listening thing, learn how to apologize, learn how to acknowledge, 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 and learn how to make requests. And let me just, so this is super valuable for people. So apologizing is not an assignment of blame. It's not saying you're right, I'm wrong, I'm sorry. It's simply saying, I can see that my actions or inactions had an impact on you and I can take responsibility for that. I apologize. And then making a request doesn't mean it's going to go your way. It means this is my request and I'm okay if you say yes, if you say no, which means you probably have to do some work to be okay with the no, or maybe there's a counter offer, a better idea. And then what was the third one? Make request. Oh, acknowledgement. Acknowledgement is for a way of being, not for something people have done. You know, great. Keep acknowledging people for what they do. But the truth is, if you acknowledge someone for what they do, they have to keep doing it. But if you acknowledge someone for a way of being, that way of being could show up in a myriad of expressions. And so we want to always be building the beingness of one another. And that's how you call people into the biggest, boldest, most beautiful expression of themselves is through acknowledging the being. And that's the way we, that's the way we grow. That's the way we develop. And that's the way we support the growth and development of people we love and care for. What do you guys think about boundaries? Well, people always ask this question. So you know, okay, so I don't I don't suggest that people stay in abusive relationships. And I don't suggest that when people apologize for their part in an abusive relationship, that that means they get back together again. It doesn't even mean they have tea together on Tuesdays. It simply means I can see that I had a part in it. But the idea that 
boundary. Sometimes I have the experience that young people create boundaries and expect other people to abide by them. And I think that's another fertile place to have some conversations to look at. Why do I feel unsafe here? Or why do I feel the need to have this boundary? Usually there's more internal work to be done, but I don't want people to interpret this and suggest that I think you have to put up with whatever someone may say or do but I think there's also a way to respond to it in either, you know, making a request or acknowledging people or sharing what's authentically going on for you. You know, I just know too many situations where people go, oh, whoa, 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 you've crossed a boundary and it actually creates more friction than it actually creates more of a, a compatibility or compassion or a win-win. So I just think you have to be, you have to be aware and conscious about that. I think boundaries are something that need to be communicated, not like assumed. Assumed. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, I mean, I'll give you an example. I, you guys know my situation with my parents, yes. yep. which actually is completely, their divorce is totally finalized, by the way. Congratulations. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Um, but I've set this boundary that you know of with my mom and it's been like over 15 months now and what and what's the boundary my boundary is essentially a wall that's i'm not intending to have this wall but it's like a wall a temporary wall is the way i see it until i kind of gather my thoughts around how i feel but now it's become something that i don't even know how to integrate her back into my life. Well, here's, here's the, here's the kind of 10 second coaching, Nikki, is that's what you want to say to your mom is like, mom, I felt like I needed to create because it was really around how she was treating your your father, right? While they were going through this divorce and it became these kids took sides, right? And I still feel strongly about it. So I think, um, in Matthew's words, it's like, I, I still feel like I'm, I'm holding on to being right. Yeah. Okay, great. So what? I, that's what I'd apologize for. Like, consider there's an apology and it's like, mom, listen, I can get this. You get, because, you know, first of all, the, what you're holding is you're holding love back. You're holding your children back from their grandmother, correct? Yes. Yeah. She's not allowed to see the kids. Yeah. So Nikki, it's just like, yeah. mom, this is how I felt. This is what was going on for me. I can get that that had an impact. I apologize. I still feel you can still share your feelings. I still feel this way. And I'm also committed that we begin to heal this, these wounds and take down this wall. And I don't actually know how to do it. You, the invitate, you want to be an invitation for your mother to participate with you as opposed to she somehow has to climb over this wall, right? So an invitation is who I am is love and I'm here to serve. That's an invitation. So what's the invitation that you could make to your mother? And how she responds is how she responds, right? She she may not, but that's where I'd look, Nikki. What's the invitation that you have to make? So before you, yeah, I, before you think about oh, that, ahead. let me just add one thing. So can you see that it's your mother's lack of love, of her own sense of her own self, her own spiritual self, her own infinite self that has her cling to stuff and money and revenge and all all that stuff. Can you see that it's her lack of consciousness that has her behave the way she's been behaving? Yes. I, I see that very clearly. Okay. And so that unconsciousness has triggered your unconsciousness. You're on, you're, see, you're punishing the unconsciousness right now with, by withholding love. That's, that's, you, you think that that you're going to, you're going to punish her. So now she feels less love, less of a failure as a mom. Not only is she a failure as a wife, she's a failure as a mother. She's a failure as a grandmother. So she, chances are she's going to slip deeper into the unconscious, Right. 
And so yeah, we exactly. call this wound on wound. Okay. Your, her wound has triggered your wound. And it's, it's not that you can't communicate your standards. You, yeah. Like Teresi said, she did a beautiful job. You, hey mom, I need your help here. Like I still feel that it's inconscionable how you treated dad. I still feel that way, but I'm also not willing to just be uh, a, with, punisher. a punisher. That's I'm not, not I'm not willing to be a punisher, but I, I'd sure like to hear from you. There must be a request in here. I'd like to sh- sure like to hear from you, you know, something. I'd like to hear what you got to, do you need an apology from your mom? Do you have a request of your mom? Uh, yeah. Whatever. But don't, you know, just withholding love is just now the wound is, now the wound has you, right? And so it, it just doesn't work. It, it, it Now you have, because you have to sit in your seat with your two kids in your house and justify. See, you're taking bandwidth right now, justifying your actions to your mom all day long. Yeah. And totally 100%. And 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 so love can't while you're justifying, love can't fill that space. Can't penetrate. Can't penetrate. So you're you're the you're taking the poison expecting someone else to die. Yeah, I mean everything you said is totally you know, you you nailed it. And I, I know this. And so I guess the thing holding me back, which I love, I forgot about making a request. Yeah. you just So I think for me, I feel like I've always been the one reaching out, sharing how I felt or, um, or whatever. Like, I just feel like she's not willing to go there with me. So she just completely ignores it. But I think now I'm sitting and hoping for her to just reach out with an apology of some sort. And instead of, like you said, people can't read your mind. So I can at least make a request and, and send an invitation. Yeah. And, some and, sort. and if you yeah. remember, it's like, you go first. So mom, I, yeah. I want to take responsibility for this part and then you can make your request. Like look and see what yeah. can you authentically take responsibility for and then make your request and let her know you can apologize. I apologize that I held the kids hostage, but this is how I was feeling, you know? Yeah. And all right, now this is whatever, this much is resolved. How are we going to go forward? Cause now it's time, like your parents ended one contract and now it's time to create the next contract. What's the next mm-hmm. contract going to be? Cause you're still family. You're still family. Mm-hmm. No, a divorce doesn't end that. Mm-hmm. And, and and also, and I think we've talked about this before, to have some compassion for your mom who, who came to a new culture, who was royalty in that culture, who had to leave that royalty, which was a big shock, and survive somehow and, and adapt somehow. And she did bring you to this more benevolent culture that's eat better for you and for truth and and, and your family. Mm-hmm. So, you know, also you can acknowledge at some for point the contribution for the contribution she has been. Yeah. And then Nikki, just I'm just curious because I, I read the Instagram post where um you guys uh had like the opening the opening dinner and I think your sister did the design or yeah. something like that. Yeah. So your, yeah. Is your sister back fully in the fold? Has that been forgiven? How did that happen? Because she was kind of on mom's side, right? She, yeah, like, so, I mean, to give everyone kind of an idea of what I'm talking about, I think I've mentioned this in the past, but basically, because uh, I've interviewed um, someone, a divorce therapist or author as well. So basically, what has happened in my family is that I somehow feel more aligned with my dad and my sister feels more aligned with my mom. And I think that their, their relationship kind of just like got passed down to my sister and I, so she and I have been working on our relationship, but yes, this whole time she's been working with my dad, there's, you know, tension there at times, but they've been working through it. And my sister has actually kept her relationship with my mom throughout the whole process, which you know, everyone's different. So for her, she, she had her baby and also just really feels that she needs my mom's support. And they've worked on their relationship so much in the past that, you know, she just didn't feel, she felt that it was between my mom and my dad and not between her and my mom. Right. And I, 
totally see that because that's how divorce typically is. It shouldn't involve the children. But I, I just kind of felt like I took a, I took a different approach to it, obviously. And yes, in some ways I felt like I was protecting my dad or I felt horror and shock around it. But I also think I was spending so much time with my mom that I almost felt lied to because it behind my back, essentially, like I didn't know anything was going on. And then all of a sudden, you know, my dad got served paperwork that, you know, whatever, someone should take over his company. But anyways, I think really what it comes down to is me sharing in a nice way. Cause I haven't been very nice about it. Um, my feelings and why I feel affected by it or whatever. And also apologize definitely. Cause I know she's so hurt that she hasn't been able to see my children. And I, and the way I saw it was, well, if you can't even have a relationship with your daughter, why would you want a relationship with your grandkid? <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. And remember, remember when you're sharing your experience, Nikki, do it in the first, in the person. first person. I feel no, yeah. no one can mess with the first person. Yeah. My experience. And yeah. then you take a you know, take responsibility and apologize for your part in that. And again, yeah, it's like, you're just kind of unraveling the mushiness between your parents' relationship, your relationship with your sister, and then your relationship with your parents. So, yeah. And I, um, it's so funny because I'm curious what you guys have to say about this or if, I'm sure people have told you this, but every time I use this approach with my sister, even though it works, she gets so pissed every single time. She's like, stop talking to me like that. Stop saying that, you know, because she's like so heated with me calmly using the first person approach and going through the steps. Yeah. And it just like triggers her. So all to do is just recreate her. So what I hear you, you know, say. So what I hear you say, it's, I, I know, here's the thing. Remember, this is a relationship and you're holding up the mirror. So your sister, what she's pissed at is her own reflection. It's not, no, it's not yeah. about you. So again, but you have to do it in an authentic way. You can't be like, a, you know, like, a, you know, an automatic puppet or something. It's like, hey, this is what I'm hearing. You know, I'm checking to see, you know. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. The anger isn't yeah. projected at you, even though it may feel like it. It's just, you know, when you when yeah. someone doesn't want to take responsibility, they get angry at the reflection. But it's all right. Just be kind, be mm -hmm. generous, be loving. Don't be righteous. Don't be vindictive. It's just like, hey, this is what I'm hearing. I'm checking in. These are my experience. This is my mm -hmm. feelings. But you just be, be careful that it doesn't come across like a script, but it's actually heart-based. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. So I love all of your coachings. I definitely have benefited from so many of them. And, you know, the very first one for me was one about my dad in the workshop that just absolutely changed my life and brought me even closer to my dad. And so I, I really appreciate you guys so much. I love you both so much. And, and you're doing such important work in this world. And I admire the way you've chosen to live your lives and and community Come as visit well. us. We miss you. We want you back on the farm. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm planning on it. I was looking at dates. You're so booked up. So I have to take uh, time to go midweek. So I'm trying to figure out if I can bring um, a few people from my team up there as well in November. Oh, that's great. Midweek's awesome. Yeah, midweek's awesome. We love that. I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks so much. And I'll, I'll see you very soon on the farm.